My name's Andy. Uh, I'm so glad to be here. It's an honor uh, and a privilege to uh, be able to bring the word to you this morning. How many people know that sometimes when you get encouragement, like almost right is not right? I went to get my hair cut recently, and the lady sat down, and she's like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to give you a discount today. I got excited. I was like, that's awesome. She's like, well, you know, because there's not that much to cut, so... I love discounts. <laughs> the discount. Almost right is not right. It reminds me of a story uh, of a gentleman that wanted to congratulate some friends of his that just had gotten married. And so he wrote out the card, congratulations on your recent marriage. 1 John 4.19. 1 John 4.19 says, perfect love casts all, out all fear. But actually what he wrote was not congratulations on your wedding, your marriage, 1 John 4.19. He said, congratulations on your marriage, John 4.19. 1 John 4.19, perfect love casts out all fear. John 4.19, you have had five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. <laughs> Almost right is not right. In this journey, what we're calling the race, we're studying from Hebrews chapter 12. If you have a Bible, you want to turn there. If you have a Bible app, you can go there, scroll there. Life is a race. A while back, I got to be a part of this thing called Faster Pastor. Faster Pastor is a, is a race where they put a bunch of pastors that don't know anything about racing, and they put them in cars, and they make them race. It's hysterical and slow. <laughs> they put them in cars and they make them go around and the only reason somebody would go to a faster pastor race is the same reason why they go to their kids' soccer game, because they love their kids. Not because the action is amazing. And so we raced around, they, they gave us these cars. They were very small, they were very slow and we drove around the inside of the track, but I was, I was pumped. And at the time, I was doing church in a bar. And it was ironic that the only car left for me to drive was a yellow Cavalier, automatic. No other pastor got anything written on the side of their car except me that said, Twisted Tea. I got the only alcoholic drink car. I was like, that's so ironic. And we raced, and I was started in the back, and I, it was an automatic. Everybody else had standard shifts, which everybody knows is way better in a race. And I'm breaking and gassing and breaking and gassing all the way around. I pass everybody except one car. And I am tailing them, and I'm getting there. My tire catches fire. I was using the brake a little too much. Joel Schreiber beat me. Stinking. Kids. So, life is a race. Hebrews 1, Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. You read with me. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. So we will not grow weary and lose heart. Life is this race. And I don't know if you've ever ran a race or been in a race, but back in the 80s, uh, I ran track and field. Anybody run track and field in the 80s? Actually, Mr. yeah. Mr. Joe Schraub, he was my coach at General McLean High School. He was my coach. He was very fast back then. Taught us how to run. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't run against him in a, you know, 30 years or something. But in the 80s, we had these outfits um, that were just very small. Very small. It was, uh, I don't know if they were cutting costs or trying to reduce wind resistance, but they were very tiny, small shorts. Lots of leg. <laughs> and we ran with everything that's in us. We ran. If you've ever run track, the image that we get from this particular verse is not an image of an 80s runner, but an image of a Greek athlete. And what the author has in mind is not somebody running track that we think of, but in the Greek culture, they actually ran with a lot less clothing than we did in the 80s. They, they were naked. I don't know if you caught that. That's what the, they ran naked. That's what they did. And so this verse is very, the, the contrast in, in the imagery, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so often when we're in this race, when we're running and, and living and striving for God with our eyes fixed on Jesus, oftentimes we get loaded down with things. If you can imagine running a race or trying to run a race with a bunch of big rocks in your arms. And I believe that the author is trying to convince us to, to drop those rocks that hold us back and slow us down. It's not always even bad to run with rocks in your hands, but I tell you that it will slow you down. There are certain things that hinder us, but there's also sin that entangles us. And I believe one of the first rocks that we need to drop is holding on to our past. Are we holding on or are we letting go? Your past does not need to determine your future. Let's say that again. Your past doesn't need to determine your future. I went kayaking one time with my younger brother. He encouraged me to go. Uh, there's a small stream that goes behind Edinburgh University. It's called Big Conneaty Creek. It's deceiving uh, because it's not that big. It's actually quite small, except when it floods. And at flood stage, it's perfect for kayaking, right? It's it's always a good idea to kayak on a stream that's flooded. And my younger brother was very encouraging, and I don't know, he, he got me to go. And, and he had one of these kayaks. It's like a, a, a lake kayak. Do you know what I mean? The wider ones, the, the stable ones. And I borrowed a kayak from a friend. I didn't really know the difference. 
the kayaks are kayaks. I got what's called a river kayak. I don't know if you've ever seen river kayaks, but if you've ever watched kayaking on the Colorado River and you see the person disappear <laughs> and then reappear, that is the more nimble, less stable river kayak. So I got into this kayak, and when you get into a river kayak, it's, you don't get into it, you put it on. It's, you know, you have, to, you have to get in. You have to slide into it. It's difficult. It takes much skill. I get into this thing, and I get on the water, and all of a sudden, like, I'm on level, just calm water, and I'm, like, I having a hard time staying upright. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just get, I'll get the hang of this. I mean, my brother looks fine. I, just, you know, I'm just, I tried to turn around, you know, do a little clever thing. I was like, oh, ah! I scream a lot. Sorry, I screamed last time I was here. So we, we got going down this way. And oh, by the way, I only knew half of the trick. I, only, I know how to go under. Part of the skill. I'm still learning. I get into some brush, and there's, this is behind Edinburgh University, and the water's rushing down through this brush, and I get kind of stuck in this brush, and I, I do half my trick. <laughs> and I'm upside down in this stream in October behind Edinburgh University, and the thought that comes to mind is, I'm going to die here. <laughs> I'm going to die behind Edinburgh University. This is not how I wanted to go. And so I did what any normal person would do. I panicked. I freaked out underwater. I was thrashing around. I wiggled out of that stupid kayak and I stood up and the water was this deep. <laughs> My brother's just laughing hysterically over there in the calm water with his stable kayak. I realized that my head was touching the ground. I was going to die behind Edinburgh University, very shallow water. And in this journey that we're in, there are certain things that slow us down, like that brush, but there are certain things that entangle us and can sink us. And one of those things is holding on to the past. There's a scripture in, in Matthew 18 where Jesus tells a story about a king that wanted to cancel his debts, settle his debts. And so he brought this guy in that owed him 10,000 talents. That's like a billions of dollars. It's insurmountable. It was ridiculous even that he begged the king to give him some time and he'll pay it back. There was no way he was going to pay it back. And how does the king respond? He, he forgives him of the entire debt and lets him go. And then how does that servant respond? He gets up from that, having been forgiven billions of dollars, and he finds somebody that owes him 100 days' wages, minuscule in comparison to the debt that he had just been forgiven. And how does he respond to the person that owes him 100 days' wages, 100 denarii? He chokes him and has him thrown in prison until he pays his entire amount. And when the king hears about it, he's furious and brings him back. And the story is about forgiveness. But the question I always ask is, why does he respond that way? Having been forgiving, forgiven such a huge amount, why does he respond to that way to his fellow servant? 
And I believe the answer is because he never accepted the king's forgiveness. I believe that servant was still trying to pay the king back. And so often in our life, I believe that the things that hold us back is when we live in unforgiveness. They say unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison expecting another person to die. When we hold on to unforgiveness, it holds us back. It keeps us from growing. It keeps us from living the life God intended us to live. And part of that process is first accepting that the king has canceled your debts. A debt that you could not pay. The king canceled your debt. All of it. You are set free. And so we are called as people to live in that freedom and to offer that same forgiveness to the people that have hurt us. And that's not easy. So oftentimes we live looking into the past. If you're driving your car and you continue to look into the rear view mirror, what will happen? You will go in the ditch. That's why the windshield is way bigger than the rear view mirror. We need to continue to look forward. We have to look forward. It's okay to glance in the past and learn from our past. But to the one that the Son sets free, you are free indeed. That if we ask, confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Paul says, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal. That first rock needs to be our past, to let it drop, to forgive and move forward. The second is our present pain. So letting go of our past and dealing with our present pain. Are we medicating our pain or are we meditating? You can grow from it rather than just dealing with it. So what is the pain in your life that you're struggling with? Is it insecurity or is it fear, loneliness or anger or hurt? Oftentimes our modus operandi, I love that word because it just sounds awesome. Uh, what is our MO? How do, we, how do we deal with it? How do you deal with your pain on a regular basis? Are you, are you just medicating it somehow? Are you avoiding it thinking it'll get better? Are you just drowning it in Netflix? What are, we, what are we doing to medicate our pain, our struggle? Some people take more drastic measures in medicating it with drugs, alcohol, or pornography. But oftentimes, instead of dealing with our pain and taking a hard look at what it is and realizing that God has allowed certain things in our life to help us grow, we just try to avoid if we can change our perspective on our pain, realizing that the, the, the suffering that we are facing will not go to waste in God's economy. That the difficulty and struggles that we've had does not go to waste in God's economy. He will use it for good. For those that love him and are called according to his purpose, he will use it for good. And it's so hard when we're in the middle of that to look at that. But if we can begin to change that heartache, God will not let it be wasted. He will use it for your growth. Romans says, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Character is when we start to get formed into God's image and after his likeness. When we begin to live and we see things as God sees it, 
we can begin to hope even in the most difficult times because we know that God is changing us and molding us. We know that he's got a better plan for us. We need to drop the past. We need to deal with the present. We need to stop passing blame. We need to stop passing blame. Are you accusing? Are you accepting? Brutal honesty helps us embrace reality. I'll say that again. Brutal honesty helps us embrace reality. I got trained to do this course last summer. It's called Crucial Conversations. It's how to have the most difficult conversations that you need to have that maybe you're avoiding or when you have them, they go horribly. And, and the course is about dealing with that. And I went down to Philly and just down on the side, it was really interesting. I went, did you ever do Airbnb? Anybody do that? That Anybody know what that is? If, if you know what Airbnb, help me out. Okay, all right. There's like six. The uh, Airbnb is like a bed and breakfast where you just go and sleep in somebody's house. You pay them to stay there. It's way cheaper usually uh, than hotels and consequently maybe a lot more risky. <laughs> so why not do it in downtown Philadelphia? I'm just saying. So it was really interesting. I pay this money. It's an app, you know, and then you make a phone call. You talk to the person. You get pictures of their, their place. They have a room there. And so I stayed with this Bulgarian woman uh, in Philadelphia for a week. It was really fascinating. Uh, she had extra rooms. There was another doctor there. Uh, he was from uh, Pakistan, but he was living in Canada, staying in Philadelphia for his residency. And they were going to have a going away party because it was his last day in Philadelphia. And so they decided to have a going away party. So the Bulgarian woman called her friend from uh, Latvia to come celebrate with a doctor from Pakistan that was from Canada that was staying in Philadelphia. And we got into a cab uh, with a guy from India and we drove to a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> I believe it was the most multicultural experience I've ever had. No point to that story. So when I was in Philadelphia, <laughs> when I was in Philadelphia, we learned how to do this seminar. And part of the seminar is asking yourself what you really want. When we get into conversations, we, our motives change and we start to argue, we want to win. And part of the process is asking yourself this question. What am I pretending not to notice about my role in the problem? What am I pretending not to notice about my, I heard groans. <laughs> yeah, we're groaning because we know that we're such bad self-monitors when it comes to our part to play in what has gone wrong in our own issues, in our own life. If we can ask ourselves that question. See, if you are traveling someplace, you need to know where you are. Brutal honesty helps you find exactly what's real and where you're at. Remember back in the 80s that, well, not too long ago, before GBS, if you're driving down the highway, they had the little triangle when you drive and then the map, you're going to New York City and you are here. You know what I'm saying? You remember that? And asking yourself that question helps you find where you're located on the map. It helps you find reality because if you think you're in Grove City but you're actually in Pittsburgh and you're trying to get to New York City and you drive directly east, you will never get there. 
So in this journey, in this race that we're running, we have to know where we are. We have to be honest about our part and role that we played in the problems that exist in our life. Experience is not the best teacher. You've heard that, experience is the best teacher. Experience is not the best teacher. With age comes wisdom, right? No. Sometimes age comes all by itself. (laughs) I know lots of people that are old that haven't learned from their mistakes. It's a valuated experience in life. Socrates says that an unexamined life is not worth living. Listen, we've got to evaluate it honestly about our issues and problems. We have to be honest with ourselves. Evaluated experience is the best teacher, is how we gain wisdom. Number four, the fourth thing that you have to drop are problem people. Problem people. Are you blindly following or intentionally surrounding yourself? John Maxwell would say that in the the 11th law of the 21 laws of leadership, the 11th is the law of the inner circle. Those closest to you determine the level of your success. And it's not that we can only have believers around us because we live in this world and we're not even supposed to just surround ourselves with believers. But who's in your inner circle? Who are the people that are speaking into your life? Do you, do you trust them? Are they the kind of people that you want to be like? I believe there's some characteristics. One, I believe they, they have to be a Christ follower. It's not that we can't learn from somebody that doesn't know Christ, but the inner circle, the, the person that we're going to learn from, are, are they a Christ follower? Do they have the characters too? Do they have the characters that we want to have in our life? And first, when I came to, I, I mean, that's why I hang around your pastor. He's a man of God. He's been a man of God for a really long time. No, just kidding. But he knows how to follow Jesus. He is one that's lived an evaluated life that continues to change and grow and to seek God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And it's people like that that I want to be close to and near so that I can learn from them. Somebody that will tell you the truth, number three. Somebody that's going to encourage you when you need encouraged and somebody that's going to tell you the truth when you need it. Maybe even when you don't want to hear it, but you need it. Those are the kind of people. I had a guy in the, in the mission program one time, we were talking, and he's like, my whole life, anytime I tried to do something good, the people around me were like crabs in a bucket. I was like, okay, go on. He said, you know, crabs in a bucket, when you put them, when one tries to crawl out, they grab the leg and they pull it down. It's like the people in my inner circle my whole life kept me from succeeding. They kept pulling me down. Are the people in your life lifting you up or pulling you down? And the fifth rock that we need to drop is our ability to pay the price. Are we going to pay the price for moving ahead in this journey? It's not not an easy journey. When you run, it's not easy. The scripture actually says, run with perseverance, 
or endurance. That word means to remain under a load or a burden. That we run with patient endurance, but we run sometimes carrying this load. And God's not going to give you something that you can't handle, but sometimes it's going to be really difficult moving forward. Our ability to change and to grow is oftentimes stifled by our fear of change, our fear of doing something different, our fear of paying the price to let go of something. There's always a trade-off. There's always a trade-off in life. If we want to achieve the next level, we have to trade off something that we have here. Within the past year, uh, I realized that there was a couple, there were a couple of priorities that I really wanted to make happen in my life. One of them was just in the mornings, turning my day over to God and, and reading scripture and reading devotional and praying, journaling, and, and working out. And let me just tell you, I hate working out in the morning. I, no, I hate it. I hate it. I was a phys ed major. I love working out. I love it. I love working out. I, I spent four years studying working out. I had a major in working out and how to help people do phys ed things. I hate working out in the morning. But the way that my schedule was, it just wasn't happening. I wasn't getting to my devotions. I was fi fixing, uh, uh, fixing it in during the day somewhere, fitting it in between this and that. And I really wanted that to be a part of my morning. And my schedule was such that I needed to change. When I was a pastor at McLean Church, I could kind of work it in whenever. But now that I worked at the mission and we had certain hours, I just couldn't make it happen. So I started getting up at 4.30 in the morning. And it, it sucked. <laughs> I, am I allowed to say that in church? I'm not to... <laughs> Pastor Jack scolded me last time because I said a couple things. Sorry. <laughs> it was really bad. But God has done amazing things in my life. What are your priorities? What are the things that you really want to be about? What are the things that are going to really help you become all that you need to be in your relationship with God? What are the things, if you did them on a daily basis, would really change your life? Because oftentimes, those are the last things that we prioritize, and we just let life happen to us. And if we let life happen to us, and we don't schedule the things in that are the most important, somebody else will schedule your life for you. And I guarantee their best interest is not yours necessarily. So what are the trade-offs that we have to make, the sacrifices that we need to do? in order to become all that God has for us, to run this race with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one that started in us in this race and is gonna carry us to the end, to continue to stay focused, to continue to grow, to continue to run with perseverance. How are you going to do that? What do you need to drop? What are the things that are slowing you down and holding you back? And what are the things that are going to sink you? if you don't drop them. Let go of the past. Who do you need to forgive? 
What about your present pain? How do you need to change your perspective? How do we need to stop passing blame and take responsibility? Who do we need to get in our inner circle and who do we need to get out of it? And what do we, knew, what do we need to do? What sacrifice do we need to make to take the next step forward in our relationship with God? Because that scripture says, do not grow weary and lose heart. Why? Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. Because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy set before him was that relationship with us to see us become all that he intended us to be when he created us. The joy set before him was to reestablish the broken relationship because of our sin. He took the sin penalty on himself at the cross so that that gap could be closed, so that we could have relationship with him, so that we can begin that he authored this new race that we've stepped into. So now run with perseverance because he who is sacrificed has gone before us to give us the opportunity to run a race that we could never run on our own. But because of what he's done, at the end of our life, we will cross that finish line, straining towards what is ahead, Paul says, and fall into his arms, having done everything that he's asked us to do, and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Jesus, you are an awesome God. We love you. We confess that this race is a struggle and that we can't do it alone. And God, that we have been holding on to things that have slowed us down or tangled us up. I pray if you're here today and, and you want to begin to drop some of those hindrances, or the sin that has entangled you. In this moment, turn it over to God. Give it to him. Drop it at his feet. And we acknowledge that you, for the, for the joy set before you, you endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of God. So we consider all that you have done so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. And that we would accomplish all that you have called us and asked us to do in Jesus' name. Amen.